about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshuba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. going through a time of celebration in a different kind. We're celebrating the life, the legacy, the impact, the input, the selflessness of our dear sister, Monica Omeze, who passed away on Wednesday and has been in charge of the children's church and built the children's church from when it was in its infant stage and no one to fight for them to the gracious thing and gracious school or place that it is now. So the question that I had a challenge is so what do you say as a pastor what do you preach about and I asked around and I called around and I spoke to people around and um, it was very clear that I didn't actually check the instructions she gave behind the instructions she gave behind was Celebrate God's goodness. Celebrate. My spiritual father, Pastor Louis Johnson, called me this morning without me saying anything. And elated and picked up her spirits and said, Tell my people that two things. That one, we do not mourn according to those who do not have hope. Because the sting of death has been taken away because we have a better place we're going. And if you don't have that hope, then we're hopeless. So secondly, let your life count. And it affirmed the message I was about to preach that somebody may look at it and feel it's insensitive. But I felt within my spirit, this is what this wonderful lady is telling me to preach. And in the book of Romans chapter 14, verse 7 to 9, I'm relying upon you guys to put it up. Romans chapter 14 and verse 7 to 9. He says, for we don't live for ourselves or die. For ourselves, verse 8. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules, you've gone to Thessalonians. Romans, please. Let me rely upon myself. So in verse 7, he says, 
Uh, let me use the ones that is easy. My apologies. He says, for we do not live by ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord. And if we die, it is to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we what? We belong to the Lord. Did you see that? Verse 9 says, Christ died, rose up again. For this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and the dead. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 to 5, he says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, through factional motive or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous. Regard others as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but for the interest of others. Have this same attitude in yourself which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. And before Sunday, or before Wednesday, I had started working on this message and I wanted to abandon it. But then I can feel her speaking to me. Pastor, don't do that. So speak about this. Speak with confidence. And he wanted me to speak on men, the same mentalities, men, kind of mentalities that stop us from rising. <laughs> it's kind of funny that God called this year the year of our rising. And if anyone has been in what I've been through since January, you may want to question what God was saying, but I think God is making us rise in our spirit and in our minds over situations and circumstances. And he, he said to me, carry on, son. Carry on. And I'm going to use this wonderful sister as an example to teach us because... Her passing away is not something we're going to mourn. It's something we're going to celebrate. But we need to look at her and then weigh our lives according to her. As I said in the first service, if she doesn't make heaven, which she will, none of us are going anywhere. Clearly. You're not even seeing the road that goes there. Uh, just forget it. But there are four kinds of mentalities that we've dealt with. The entitlement mentality, she had none of that. The treadmill mentality, she was always finding a way of improving and fighting me for her children, for them to improve. The independent mentality, she was loyal to the end. And the validation mentality, she didn't need you to tell her what she should do. And today she said, speak on what is called the selfish mentality. Because she was selfless. This Selfish mentality is, the, is a disease in our society and is killing the very fabric of our relationship with God and with man. This mentality many young ones have, and I must tell you it shuts the window of heaven and any hope of rising is stifled under this attitude. In fact, 
The windows of heavens and the hands of God is closed to someone who has what I call a selfish mentality. Monica Omezi's mentality was selfless. Don't cry when you do not have a mentality that is selfless. Don't cry. A lot of times we think that happiness comes about because you get things for yourself. Happiness does not come through selfishness, but comes through selflessness. And one of the greatest diseases, listen, listen, one of the greatest diseases, I'm going to say this again, one of the greatest diseases is to be nobody to anybody. Selfishness is an indication of poverty. It is what will cause lack to appear, appear in the last days and unless we become selfless, we will not be able to cure this disease in this human race. Let me say this and encourage you. Many people are struggling. Many people are praying. Many people are fasting. Yet heavens seems to be locked against them. It is because they have refused to show favor to those who needed their favor. And when you favor others, even your children's children will be favored after you. You hearing me? No one is immune to selfishness. None of us are. I know that. Mankind is born with the tendency to be selfless, to be selfish. Selfishness is a way of thinking that motivates a person to always seek his or own advantage, their own pleasure, without the regards for anyone else. We were all born like that. Selfishness seems to come easy to us than selflessness. Why? Number one, it doesn't take much effort to take care of your own needs and ignore others. Number two, the world is selfish. And you see selfishness all around you. Why then should you be any different? Number three, survival of the fittest demands putting yourself first. Survival of the demands. So the society builds you up to be selfish. Even, do you know that people who serve can be, who serve others can be selfish? Do you know that? Let me tell you what. Some people are not loyal to you. They are loyal to their need of you. Once their own needs change, so does their loyalty. So, here we have a dear sister that has departed. For 14 years, I only had a session of counseling with her for a few weeks. And of course, just dealing with her finances. And in nine years after that, she has not walked into my office to say, she calls me Pops. Pops, I have a problem. 
Because her attitude of serving wasn't based on what she can get, but what she can give. I'm going to have to do this, and I know this is not easy for most of us. But this woman came into this world single. She died single. She never had a husband. She never had biological children. But she has children all over this church and around. I have a 15 minutes unknown to her recording. Unknown to her. I was coming from a wedding that I conducted on a Friday. She gave me a phone call. Pops, when are you coming to see me? I said, Monday. She said to me, when you're coming, bring the communion. I said, okay. I was on the 8.13 going to my house. I got to my house. And this is where service is important. I had my son with me. He came to the wedding. He was sitting in the office while we were conducting the wedding. We've been here since 12. It was now 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. I had to call somebody up and say to them, Michael, I'm sorry I have to do this, but I have to bring my son to you to take care of my son because I told someone I'm coming on Monday, but I have to go now. It's not, sewing is not easy. So my wife and I picks ourselves up and at the night we get to the hospice and the hospital there we broke bread. That was the first time she opened up and spoke and I had to teach her about the loving side of God. God doesn't always give us what we want but he wraps ourselves around us and says I love you. We broke bread took the communion and the woman spent 20 to 30 minutes just talking about the children's church. It was too late for me because she spoke in her ethnic language sometimes, spoke about how her passion was there, how God brought her to do that, and how she fought the establishment, me, 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 me. How she fought me to give the children the best. On the recording is so much that because I feel people may not believe me, my wife was looking at me and just doing this and she didn't realize I knew. And I recorded, I recorded her on there, her face there, and then I'll put it down. Just to make it known that anybody sees this, knows this woman was talking about her passion, her love to humanity, and nothing about her shoes, her house, her cars, her makeup, her Brazilian hair, or Peruvian. That's all she's talking about. That's all. Selfless human being who knew what God called her to do, came and did it, and has left a legacy behind that is unparalleled. Because she refused to have a selfish mind. Now let me talk to the young ones here. Encourage you, not rebuke you. 
She had no husband. She had no children. And she served till the day she passed away. And here you are chasing someone and chasing money, chasing a man, chasing a woman and feel that your entire life is about what you have than what you can give. So she said these things to us when we look at her life. How do we defeat this kind of selfish mentality? Because this thing ruins our relationship. If you're selfish, you walk into a marriage, you'll be selfish. You, you won't last. Because no relationship can survive on selfishness. It has to be selfless. It is not what I give you. It is it's not what you give me. It's what I can give you. Okay, I will change if you change. Selfishness. Uh, when I have the time, selfishness. There are three things you need to do and things four. Four I put, I may not read the four or five. Number one, you've got to learn to keep loving. Keep what? Keep loving. She showed love to the end. Anyone who will meet her will know she showed. Look, she fought us. In fact, there are many people who had issues with her because she will fight for her kids. You go and put your clothes or your instruments somewhere near her children's church. She would, she would, in fact, you're, you're, you're do, in fact, you really don't want to do that. Good, you should try it. Just try it. Even slightly on the door. Just like you just forgot. There. She walking. Who did this? Well, in fact, you even remove, even I removed her chair sometime to use here. And on Sunday, when she came in, and I looked at her, and I looked around, I said, it is me. I will pick it up and bring it back. Right now. No ounce of hatred. Joseph, remember, showed love by giving a helping hand to the butler and the cupbearer, and then he made progress. His compassion, Joseph's compassion, was driven not by the worth of the recipient, but by the need of the recipient. You are in the wrong company, young ones. You form your associations and your alliances by what you can do to each other. But when you show love, you don't show love because you deserve it. It's not the worth of the recipient, but the need of the recipient. Instead of all of you sometimes going together to fry food and have a cook-up, ah, ah, uh, isn't it better for you to have four of you or three of you instead of doing cook-ups you should do care-ups find other people who have children and give them a relief what, what, when you analyze yourself ask yourself who am I showing love to God will not bless or honor anyone that is consistently not about people but about pleasure God said to David, go, when they burnt Ziglag and took his children and took all his stuff, yes, there was a prophecy. Should I go? He says, yes. He says, go and overtake. You will overtake, you will pursue, you will overtake, and you will recover all. God didn't tell him how he's going to do it. 
But while he was going, he met someone on the road who actually participated in destroying Ziglag. And he could have walked by or he could have shot him. He could have walked by. But he stopped. Listen. And he fed the person. Gave the person water. And then asked the question, who are you by the way? He knew who he was. He says, oh, we were coming from raiding Ziglag. And we took the children, the, 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 the mothers and the wives and all that kind of stuff there. And he said, but my master, when I fell sick, dumped me. You dumped the person because your need of them was now irrelevant. Without knowing that that person can be your ultimate downfall. David took care of the person and says, I won't kill you. Can you take me to the place? God says, pursue, recover, and overtake. But the, the, the instrument that will make him recover is only by him showing love. Not because the person deserves it, but because the person needs it. And many of us are doing things because we feel... Or many of us are not doing things because we feel the person doesn't deserve it. It's none of my business. What's the, what is that old pensioner beside your house doing? Mowing the lawn. And you're eating crisps and biscuits. Or you're depressed because you couldn't buy that bag. What, is, what are they doing? Keep loving you can drive a nice car, you can live in a nice house, but if you don't love others, your life is a selfish disaster just waiting to happen. We are prone to judge success ah, by the index of our salaries or by the size of our house or our automobiles rather than the quality of our service and our relationship to mankind, Martin Luther King. So what we judge ourselves is in what we have. Because the person carries the bag means they are successful. Because they drive the car means they are successful. Because they live in a big house means they are successful. In fact, some of us will not marry unless those things are in place. This woman, she came. Clothes meant nothing to her. Shoes meant nothing to her. And she did have. Her favorite color was purple. But her life, week in, week out, no substitution, nobody else but her to make sure you can sit in church, to hear the word, to be a help to the community while she takes care of sometimes your disobedient children. You know the trouble they give you at home. Success isn't about money you make. It's about the difference you make in people's lives. She taught me not to keep loving alone, but she taught me to keep sowing. She's telling us, keep sowing. Keep sowing because Psalm 126 verse 5 says, They that sow in tears shall reap what? In joy. Can we leave that up there? And let's read it together. They that what? So that's all. 
Did they say that they that sow in joy? They, is they that sow in what? Sowing places a demand on your life. He does. Please don't walk into church, walk out into church. You have no help, nothing you're doing to help nobody but yourself. Oh, I can't wake up early in the morning. I can't make nine o'clock. You can't make nine o'clock because you're sleeping. Because you're sleeping. And that sleep, gift of sleep, comes from God. You spent all the hours partying on Saturday only to say, I can't make it on Sunday. It's because you are not sowing good seeds. This young man on the keyboards buried his dad on a Wednesday afternoon. And on Wednesday, the same day, walked into church and played for the service. Many of you are older than he is. God is not going to judge me because I'm a pastor and I said I did God's will. God is going to judge me based on the fact that when I was driving down the roads, did I see that person who was in need? Do you know, one day I sat down and I said, if I pass away, do you know that many people will say the good things about me, but is that what God is saying? And is that what my family is saying? Have you ever been to a funeral where people are forced to say something nice. Or they tell you, can you say, give a tribute, and you're trying to find your words. And there are people who will get to a place and they will be lost for words because where do you start? Can I ask you a question? What can we remember you? What seed are you sowing? Most of, you, most of us are sowing seeds of discord, seeds of accusation. We're concerned about sowing seeds into our own lives. Wake up this morning and all you're concerned is what you will wear so that people may look at you and say you dressed well. You spend time putting coilers in those hairs and making it so nice. You know, straightener, you burnt your scalp, you did everything. <laughs> And I, and I love you. I, I really love the hairs. I love the cream, the purple, the red, the yellow. There are different things going on. There's blonde, blonde real blonde at the back. There's uh, purple in the middle there. It's all, it's all happening here. Many, many men get blinded by what they see. And it's, it's all good. But the question we want to ask ourselves is, what seed are we sowing? Do you know that you become greater than what you're prepared to lose? And you become lesser than what you're prepared to hold on to. 
Have you ever looked at your wardrobe and asked yourself, is there anything in this wardrobe that I cannot give away? Please don't shake your head. But you can ask yourself, is there anything in this world, the bags, the shoes and everything that I cannot give away? Because when you're on your deathbed, you're never going to remember and say to yourself, I wish I could buy this. I wish I could have done this. Is that what you are thinking of? I didn't realize what was going to happen and I said, probably said this last Sunday, the guy enjoying the film Schindler's List and if you haven't watched it, go and watch it about the Jews. He cried because he now realized that he was wearing a watch and then he says, but this watch could have bought 20 more Jews. This, this, this shoe could have bought 30 more Jews. This, this car could have bought. He, he, he died broken because of what he felt he could have done more. And that's the reason why you can never sow. Two things you need to realize. You can never sow based on feelings. She n- never walked according to her feelings. She walked according to faith. Your talent is a grace God entrusted into your hands. Not a tool of ransom. Never in 15 years did I hear I'm not coming to church because you said no. Look at how many of you can I remember have said so. I'm not coming. We have to prop you up. We have to keep you up. We have to, and, 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 and her life is encouraging us to say selflessness makes you rise. Selfishness brings you down. You can never sow based on feelings. Ecclesiastes 11, 4, let's round this up, says, He who watches the wind, he who watches the wind, waiting for all conditions to be perfect. Because some of you are sitting down here. There are two categories. There are some who are in museum. You're sitting down on what you used to do. When, when there's a knock on the door for our lives, we have no idea how long. Or when Christ comes, he's going to ask you about what you were doing, not what you have done. You need to let the past go and become relevant for the season. And there are some that are saying, oh, next year, you, you opened your mouth. You, you, you actually opened your mouth and you said, next year, next year. How, how do you know you have tomorrow? I will serve next year. Oh, I, I, I need to fix an appointment with Pastor Femi so I know where to start. Just do it. You're waiting to need. You, you actually, like that foolish man said, tomorrow I will build this barn. I will make it bigger. God says, your time on this earth is finished. You are not useful to humanity and you're not useful to me. Today your soul is taken. Because he was thinking of building a bigger house, a bigger car, a bigger career, and we're crying and weeping on a bigger house, a bigger career, a bigger shoe, an expensive bag, an expensive house. Guys are so much driven with their career that God is looking at them and says, who even have you helped? In that career that you've got, who, what seed have you sown? But you're waiting for the conditions to be perfect. There's never a perfect condition. 
why there's no perfect condition before you sow and there's no perfect condition while you're sowing. And God also wants us to be consistent in our sowing. Ecclesiastes 11, 6 says, In the morning, sow your seed. At the evening, do not let your hands be what? Idle. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Consistently. Consistently. You know one thing, can I say this? That is one team. The children's church, she led is one team that I've had the less meetings with and I've never had to look behind my back. When they put you in a place, lift the hands of those who put you there. Don't try to bring chaos. One team. There are many others, but one team that I've had the less meeting with. And when we were going to buy this, she didn't fight me. She didn't have to pull me. It didn't happen. I just took my son into a hospital and that happened. That's just the difference. Just walked into a hospital. And it was on a Sunday. He had to have an operation. Walked into the place. I was dreading how he's going to stay. And as soon as he was, there were Spider-Man, Batman, the, the, the children's world was so... I left the place and I said, whatever it takes, I'm going to give a, get a sanctuary for them. Keep loving. Keep sowing. And please, you will never rise beyond selfishness if you don't learn how to serve. What are you doing? Are you serving? Serving is the measure of greatness. Some people don't flourish beyond certain degrees because they have made themselves overseers in the house of God instead of participators. They see what everybody else is doing wrong while they just do what they like. Job 36, 11 says, If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Whatever diverts your worship becomes your God. Serve. And there are three people you serve. God, your community, and your family. You serve. Are you serving in the house of God? We're all... We're, let's say this in, in truth. Some of us are mourning because of the service of a wonderful woman. God is calling us. He's saying, I put this woman up here. Make her sit here. And then look at her life and say to yourself, does my life line up to that? And yet you will go in the morning and say, God bless me. Why would he want to bless you when you're not blessing others? Let me say this. Because our life was short. But it was purposeful. Many people's lives are long like Methuselah. And he, nothing occurred. Don't think you are better than the person whose life is short. Jesus was 33. Peter, God knows when Peter, we don't know how old he was, but remember that Peter was younger than Jesus. All of the disciples were at a very young age. They were youth. 
They were 16, 17, 18. Don't, don't, Hollywood is lying to you. They were not white beard men and all that kind of stuff. They were not. Ah, ah, ah. If they were white beard, think about it. The mother of Jesus, she took. She, come, come, son. Come, son. Come, come, come. The, the, the mother of John brought two of her sons to Jesus and said, Jesus, let this one sit on your right hand. If they were 60 years old, would one mother be dragging? They were young people. Thank you, guys who had given their lives to serve. Are you serving? Are you serving? I know quickly, after a while we all forget and we, we go on our ways, but heaven doesn't forget. Are we serving? Is our life really a pleasure to those who are around us? Because she's not dead, she just transitioned. Staying with Kevin. She's enjoying. We are still enjoying. Look, look, she's not, she's not praying to come back here. Trust me. If you touch, taste heaven, you ain't coming. For what? For you? That you even abuse her when she speaks to you about your children. Hey, she's now in heaven doing serious praise and worship. Their praise and worship is not this one that we. They, 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 in fact, You know, some, of we, some of you, we have to bear it. They're floating. They're enjoying themselves. They're having discussions. She's asking questions from Moses. And God, why did you let Moses go? Couldn't you have done something else? Serious questions. Enjoyment in heaven. Because the Bible says that even the streets are paved with gold. For the first 48 hours, she went, eh, eh, eh. while we are crying, she's already into, like, maybe she's got her own children's church right now. Where she's dealing with them. Heaven is real. It's not like you're just it's a celestial thing where we're just floating like. No, no, no. It's real life. It's a transition. And the Bible says that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses looking down to us. She's enjoying herself. She's just transitioning. In the better, in, when they say she's going to a better place, we all just say that. It's a phrase. We don't know the reality. It's not better because she's now in the grave. She's enjoying herself and looking down at us and say, fight and finish well. Finish well. Tap someone and say, finish well. well. Come on, tap someone else beside and say, finish well. You got to finish well. What do you do? Money will not buy anything. Let me close by saying this. I said in the first service, I've been pulled all over the place. Family is important. Family is important. Pulled all over the place. And my son has been telling me for three days, can you take me out? We need to play cricket. We need to play cricket. And then, when it comes to cricket, I don't know much about cricket. I mean, we didn't have the privilege or opportunity to play cricket in any school. Cricket, I have no idea. But he has bought the pads and the gloves and even when we were playing yesterday, I said, I need to be careful because I don't want this ball to hit you on the car. He says, no, I've got a head. And he went and brought out this fancy head. He's got this whole bag. Is that nice? <laughs> and so, this is the question. He now came and sat down with me on Wednesday. He was there when he heard the story. So he knew I was going to be. He says, okay, let's reach a compromise. Let's negotiate. We play cricket or you give me 10 pounds. The ultimatum was yesterday. So if yesterday you don't play cricket, you get 10 pounds. Our was there. She could bear witness with me. 
And I said, okay, we'll play cricket. I got home around 2 a.m. Monday morning, oh, Saturday morning, because I was running around for the funeral and all that. And so I woke up and I was flat out. In fact, I've been flat out throughout the entire week. And so I said to my wife, I said, I think I will pay him 10 pounds. <laughs> give him 10 pounds so I can buy my time and sleep. Because the ultimatum was 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. So I woke up to him and I said, Jay, which one would you want? I'll give you the 10 pounds. And he says, no, I'm a millionaire. I don't need that 10 pounds. Now, he had asked his mom a certain question. Do you know where his mom comes from? He is a millionaire. I mean, he's got some savings, so he made a calculation one day, and he said, so in your country, I'm actually a millionaire. And so, 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 so he says to me, no, he says, I'm a millionaire. I don't need your money. I said, so what do you need? I need your time. People are looking for your time. Not your money. You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939 You can find us at the Citadel Worship Tabernacle 131 St. John's Way N19 3RQ Archway, London Thank you for listening.